Welcome to the Become Who You Are podcast, a production of the John Paul II Renewal Center. I'm Jack Riggett, your host. It's good to be with you. I, this is Tuesday night at the Smith Home, our time to meditate on the upcoming Sunday Gospel, uh, and actually the first reading, any of the readings. I just pick out the readings that are that are touching me. You pick out the readings that touch you. I just give you a meditation for myself and use it or don't use it, but this is a time to bring the 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 readings into your home. Tuesday night at the Smith Home says, hey, just pick a Tuesday night, a Wednesday, a Thursday, anytime you can get some friends together, you get the family together, no cell phones, no TVs. We got to disconnect from this crazy, crazy world, and we got to get our hearts back in tune with the truth, with the reality of God who calls us into a story. And that's, uh, that's what we do on these meditations. So this is, uh, again, uh, for Sunday, October 9th, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm in the Chicagoland area incredible weather and while i'm thinking about how beautiful it is here you know we let's keep the the people in florida in our prayers i hope you're doing all right and you're staying safe wherever you are you know it seems i want to talk a little bit about conscience a little bit about freedom uh, before i get into the to the readings today i'm going to be focusing on the first reading actually which is the uh, from the second book of kings and the gospel powerful stories and it seems that um the so-called modern mind is declaring, you know, there's no truth. There's only your truth or my truth, which means there's nothing. We, we live in a in a vacuum, and you can see what's happening, right? Uh, mankind today has forgotten all the lessons of history and embraced that old story huh, that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, where the serpent said to the woman, "You certainly will not die." No, God knows well that the moment you eat of this fruit, your eyes are going to be open and you will be like gods who know what is good and what is evil. And that's Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Isn't that true, huh? These moral relatives, uh, relativists today are followed by the transhumanists, you know, who, who make up the world, uh, so-called world elites and the great reset crowd declaring moral relativism, you know, we make it up as we go, and then adding a new twist, you know, how progressive, you know, we're so progressive, we just, you know, hope and change, hope and change, right? And now we will be like God's, not only uh, not only knowing what is good and evil, but we will be like God's living forever who know what is good and what is evil. And then, you know, you just add on progressive, <laughs> progressive ideology on top of ideology on top of ideology, and it's insanity out there. Then, so that the lowly common person does not notice the insane power grab going on by the world's elites, come the gender ideologies declaring the same old story and adding yet another new twist. We will be God, like gods, not only living forever, not only deciding uh, you know, good for bad, but we're going to decide that a man could be a woman just because I think Therefore, I am. Huh? What a what an old story, huh? Uh, Descartes, huh? I think. Before, therefore, I am. Just because I have it in my head, in my consciousness, that must be true, and that's what's going to happen. You know, it's amazing. I hear uh, some people, uh, some young people, <laughs> every once in a while, I'll say, "You know, I only believe in what I could see. I only believe in the science." And I said, "Really? Well, the science would certainly say that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, and you don't believe that. I think we should have a conversation. I think we should have a conversation." You know, a woman can't be just one of 52 genders unless her imagination, of course, dreams up another one in reality and science. Do you believe that? And it, it gets them to pause, huh? You know, I hate to break up the party going on in everyone's imaginations today, but who among us is created, who created the universe? It's another good question to ask, you know, your kids at the table. And again, you know, this isn't to be antagonistic, just really to start to get into the awe and wonder of, of our world, 
Did you write the largest story that's been unfolding since the Big Bang? You know, no, human beings came into a story. And we have, to, we have to talk about that at the dinner table. We have to talk about that with our friends. You know, we're this little pinprick on top of a, uh, like, a, like, a, like a, the tip of a needle on top of a tip of a needle. We're so small compared to the universe. And we stand up and, you know, and we think that we're gonna, we, we created the universe, that we've, we put all this in motion. And there's no truth but my truth. I mean, it's almost insane, the pride of, of, of mankind, huh? It's almost nuts. But ask your kids that, ask your friends that, ask people that. You know, who, did you write the largest story that we came into? No, the story was unfolding. The day that you exploded onto the scene was an important day in your life, right? I mean, Mark Twain wrote about that. He said the two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and the day that you find out why. You know, what's the solution to the modern world's insanity that we see around us today? How will modern man find meaning and purpose in their lives? The fruit of which is what? The opposite of the anxiety and the depression and the, and the self-loathing that we feel today. What is it? It's joy. It's peace. It's happiness. The solution must begin in truth. And with this truth, huh? this is the truth. Human beings did not create the universe or its laws or its stars or the, you know. Yet each person is given freedom. And you are given freedom and power, and you're given reason of the mind, huh? You're given freedom to search for what, though? What does your reason do? Your reason seeks the truth, and your, your will seeks what is good. If left alone, if, if, if your sin hasn't overwhelmed you, you will seek the truth. What is the truth about, uh, about our lives, about our meaning, about our identity, about the reason we're created male and female? And, and your heart, in, in, deep into your heart and your conscience, where you and God reside, you sit there with God in prayer, and, and then you use your will to choose the good. We want to choose what's good, what's true, what's beautiful in life. And every time you choose the good, you become the good. Every time you choose evil, you move toward the evil side. And if you do it long enough, you, you almost don't recognize yourself. huh? So anyways, God gives us all this. He gives us freedom to search for the truth, a mind to recognize it. And both of these properties are, are, are of the human person. And this is an old story. You know, the beauty of the, the Gospels, the beauty of the, the Bible itself, even going back into the, you know, all the way to the book of Genesis, is that it's telling a story, and it's telling a love story. It's telling, the, 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 the author of the story is telling the story of love. It's a love story that he calls you into, and if we just open our hearts and minds to this, it, it, it's almost too much to conceive, right, that there's a God who created you that knows you, that, that little tiny needle on top of a needle, he knows who you are, and he wants you to come together with him. And so that's why I, I, I want to read this first reading, which is, which is Naaman, and he's cured of his leprosy. This comes from the first reading for Sunday, October 9th. The first reading that you're going to hear on, on Sunday is just from the second book of Kings, uh, chapter 5, verses 14 through 17. But I'm going to go further back. And this is the story I would tell my kids. I'd say, hey, you know, I want to tell you a story today. And it's about a, it's about a, um, it's a, about a commander of the army of Syria, and he got leprosy. And, and uh, I want to tell you that story, and I want to tell you the story of how he was healed. And so that's what we're going to do. So buckle up, and we'll be right back for today's readings. So Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Syria. 
And he was a great man and, and in high favor with his master because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. Naaman was a mighty man of valor, but he had gotten leprosy and he was now a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little maiden from the land of Israel. And she was taken in by Naaman and his wife. And she became, this little girl became Naaman's um, a helper. So this little girl said to her mistress, to Naaman's wife, Oh, would it be that my Lord, he's t- she's talking about Naaman, Naaman, would it be that my Lord were with the prophets who are in Syria? The prophet would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in, and then he told the king that. And he said, Thus and so spoke the little maiden from the land of Israel. So the king of Syria said to Naaman, Well, go now. Maybe he'll cure you in essence, and I'm going to send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 festal garments. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read this. When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you, Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Well, when the king of Israel read that, he rent his clothes. That means he, he basically tore his clothes. And he said, am I God? to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. So the king of Israel thinks that they're starting a quarrel because he knows he's not going to be able to heal him. And it's really interesting, and this is not in the reading, but it's really interesting because in the notes in in my Bible, they actually have the the name of the king of Syria, Ben-Hadon II, and uh, Jehoram, the king of Israel. So they even know their names from history. It's amazing the power of the story, you know. Elisha, who's the prophet at that time of Israel, when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel, had rent and tore his clothes, he sent to the king, saying this, Why have you rent your clothes? Let Naaman come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the door of Elisha's house, And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry, and he went away, saying, Behold, I thought that that prophet would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure this leper. Are not Abana and, and Parpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not just wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went away in a rage. But Naaman's servants came to him and said to him, My father, if the prophet had commanded you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much rather than when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down. He dipped himself seven times into Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and he stood before him and said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant. But he said, Elisha said, As the Lord lives whom I serve, I will receive none. Naaman urged him to take the gift, but still the prophet refused. Then Naaman said, If not, I pray you, let there be given to your servant two mules' burden of earth. For henceforth your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any god but to the Lord. 
So he's asking them to bring some earth back with him. So anyways, here's the story on this. And this is what I think this is the lesson for all of us. You know, we, we end up in prayer sometimes and we're at mass and we're waiting for God to, to, to send some magic down. But we're already the magic. We already created, created a Mago Day. We're already the sacramental sign. We are already from the, the moment we were exploded into this, on this earth, into the story that we didn't create. It's a love story, and God's calling us into that story. You know, we come in just like a leper in a way. Uh, we have original sin. We're broken people. God calls us into baptism, into, into adoption as his, as his uh, sons and daughters. But then as we journey along, we're constantly, constantly, constantly given choices. And we constantly have to turn to God or turn away from God. See, we determine ourselves. What Naaman the prophet realizes is, you know, you have to listen to the signs around you. You can't be so proud. And this is already a love story. God is going to do the work. And God doesn't need magic to do it with. This is going to happen so often. Prayer in our hearts. Here's here's why it, it moves slow sometimes in our lives, because it's those small choices we make when we we have something on our minds or in our consciences, and we're not sure what to do or how to act. We open up those actions to God, and as we move in and we choose the good things in our lives, then we become that good. We actually determine ourselves. In, in a big way, we determine ourselves by what? By acting toward, by moving toward the good who is God, by acting in a way that's true, good, and beautiful. We become good. If I move the other way, if I choose evil, if I choose to use people or lust after people to do evil things, I become the evil that I do. So we actually do. We have this, this, this. Just like Naaman, I, he could just get angry and and turn away because God doesn't do something that He wants him to do. But really, it's in his heart. It's really in obeying. And every time he steps into that, he's healed. So that outer healing is also an inner healing that goes on. And and I'll just um, the the reading is pretty short from from Luke today, the Gospel of Luke. And so I'm going to read this. This is Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. And away, you know, you're going to hear God healing again. And Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, and he traveled through Samaria. And, and Samaria is, is, um, was, was an enemy, really, of, of Israelites. And, and not many uh, of the Jews went through Samaria, but Jesus was never worried about that. Jesus was there to reach all of us. And as he was entering in a village, ten lepers met him. They stood at a distance from him, and, and they had to stand at a distance because lepers were, had to live by themselves. But they raised their voices, so they must have heard of Jesus, and huh? they heard about this prophet that can heal. It's amazing how the story had, had gone around. And they were yelling at him, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when Jesus saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. As they were going a way to show themselves to the priest. And here's Jesus again. He's asking, just like uh, Elisha um, had his messenger go tell a Naaman, he says, go do these things. And so that's what Jesus is doing. He says, you know, you go uh, present yourself to the priest. Well, as they were going there, they were cleansed. And one of them, realizing that he had been healed, returned glorifying God in a loud voice. And he fell at the feet of Jesus and he thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus said in reply, Ten were cleansed, were they not? Where are the other nine? Has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God? Then he said to him, Stand up and go, your faith has saved you. The gospel of the Lord. Isn't it a beautiful thing? At the end of the day, 
God wants to bring a, a, a gift of himself to us. He, he, but he wants us to, to, to say thanksgiving. When we say a, a thanksgiving to God who comes into our hearts, maybe releases anxiety from me today, maybe gives, us, gives me a little uh, hint of, of which way I should go, which direction I should go, how I could be a little kinder to somebody or more considerate of other people. And God gives us this, and, and it's become our habits. We become a habit. We move outside of ourselves, and we become a gift to other people. That's really how we find ourselves. We find ourselves in being a gift to others. You know, when we are just self-seeking, uh, when we keep ourselves inward, when we start grasping and trying to fill up that infinite desire of our, of our heart for God, but we don't look to God, we start to grasp and take. And John Paul said this so often to young people. He said, young people, you know that your life has meaning to the extent that it's given away as a sincere gift to others. Young people, you know that your life has meaning. You want to find life? You want to ha- find meaning? You want to find happiness? Well, give it away. Become a sincere gift to others. Look out in the world. You know, we have all these ideologies today, and I want to be an L, a G, a B, a T. I want this. I want that. You know, I want to switch labels. We're so involved in our own selfish world, huh? It's just uh, we're going to implode. Well, we are imploding on ourselves. And John Paul says, no, open that up. Open that that leprosy. Open those sicknesses. Open that brokenness. And, and, and look, we didn't cause all this. Again, we came into a broken world. We came in a world that needs to be redeemed. God is calling us into this redemption. He sent Jesus into the story in both the first one and in the second one. The prophet is, is bringing Naaman in to be healed, and he's telling him what to do. And then Naaman has to have faith to go do those things that God is asking him to do. The same thing with Jesus, you know, and then Jesus says, how come only one came back to thank me? Jesus is looking for a relationship. He doesn't need you or I to get down on our knees for any other reason except that he he wants us you know I want to just say Jesus I love you too Jesus loved me he heals me and then because I and because I move to him I allow him to be to to heal me see I have to say yes we're given free will. We have to say yes. And when we say yes, we self-determine. See, this is a self-determination, John Paul would call it. What does that mean? That means I actually determine what type of a person I become. Do I move toward God and, and allow him to come into my heart and heal me so that I can be a gift to others and find a true love story, an eternal love story? Or do I move away from God, close off God, stay as a leper, and then seek to seek everybody else to fill me, you know, most of the sexual confusion and addiction and all of this twisting and distortion of our LGBTQ, we're, we're trying to fill the infinite desires of our heart with, with on this finite plane, on this horizontal materialistic plane that will never do it for us. And God is calling us into there and saying, you know, listen, 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 come to me. Let me restore you. Let me restore you. In Vatican II's um, Gaudium et Spes, one of the documents from Vatican II, we read that the human being who is the only creature on earth that God willed for itself. So God created all kinds of animals, but he really created us to love and be loved, to, to be able to have an intimate relationship with us. You know, he can take care of the, the animals and the creatures on the earth, but we're the ones that could say thank you to God. We're the ones that can that can be filled with uh, divine life and love, and then lift that up to God in thankfulness. Well, when we lift it up, we're saying, I love you to God. 
See, this is a relationship like between a spouse, a husband and a wife. I can't just love my wife and she never says thanks, she doesn't care, she walks away, and I keep doing things for her, but she doesn't return it. I mean, at some point, that's not a relationship. When we're talking about thanksgiving to God, it's about a, a spouse uh, loving his, his, his wife, bringing gifts to her, and she at least is thankful, right? When she, In her thankfulness, she's saying, yes, and I love you too. Thank you for that. So that's what we read. The human being is the only creature on earth that God willed for itself. But, but we cannot finally, we cannot fully find ourselves except through a disinterested gift of ourselves. I'm out to love other people. I'm really being a visible sign of God's love in my own heart by loving other people, and I'm not interested in getting anything back. See, as as soon as I'm interested in getting something back from you, then that's not true, authentic love. I want to be able to pour my love out. Now, I hope that, that you return that love. I mean, that's how I, that's how I get filled. That's how I see the eyes of Jesus in the world around us. But either way, we're called to be a gift to, to ourselves, uh, to other people. So yet to be a gift to ourselves and fulfill one oneself, we must once again look to the personal structure of self-determination. We have to realize that every time we become a gift to others, we choose to, to do their good. We choose to do good acts in the world. We become the good that we do. I am good because I act and do good things. I become evil because I move the other way and I grasp and I take, right? So it's precisely when one becomes a gift for others. This is what you tell your children and your friends and remind yourself. So the human being who is the only creature on earth that God willed for himself cannot fully find himself or herself except through a disinterested gift of self, to be a gift to others. And it's precisely when one becomes a gift for others. Do good. Go visit somebody in the hospital. The uh, corporal and spiritual works of mercy to go visit the prisoners, to go visit the lonely, the sick, etc. When we become a gift, it's not just... Um, it's not just doing good things. It's that I become the good that I do. Precisely when one becomes a gift for others, that one becomes most fully becomes oneself. I become myself. I fulfill myself, my purpose and meaning in life, which is to be a created, a, a beloved, created, a beloved son or daughter of God called into eternal union, which is a love story. God who pours his love out to me, I become love in the world. It's, and, and then when God cures us and comes into our heart and, and, and calls me into this love story and cures me of my sins and starts to cure. This is a journey, right? This is going to happen overnight. But when I do, I have to turn to God and be thankful. That's how you know that God exists. All right, everyone. Hey, don't forget to rate the podcast. Uh, financially support us if you can. I'm not sure. I think maybe because of inflation and different things, um, we're a little bit behind. And so I have to ask you if, if, you're, if it's possible, if you're in the financial situation, uh, please uh, donate to the John Paul II Renewal Center. Everything's in the show notes. God bless you. Thanks a lot, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.